So last week, just a, a quick review, we talked about arrowheads and the call to make disciples and the idea that disciples aren't mass-produced but, but handmade. Uh, we also offered this visual metaphor that is seen and interacted with all the time, this little play button that sits on our phone, sits on our car radios, stereos. We use this as a metaphor to communicate some, some pretty complex ideas, but to remind us that a, a disciple is growing in these three areas, and there's a process to it, that we begin with worship, we are brought into the family of God and community, and then we are called to share you know, as we discussed heading, um, heading is the name that we have given to sort of vision casting. Where does God want us to be taking? Um, it really called to mind this truth. Some of you were here for this sermon, but it was a whole sermon series on priorities. And what this ball represents is this. This outer sphere are the things that we care about. So each individual in this room cares about some number of things, Right? And the things that you care about and you wish someone would do something about uh, or that you wish someone would call attention to and celebrate is, is pretty expansive. But the things that you can handle are something less than that. Okay, And so a part of what the vision of a church needs to figure out is this. God, we care about this much. God cares about the whole world, all the problems of the world, all the joys of the world. But what is it that we can handle? We as this local church aren't called to do everything all of the time. So we need to figure out, if we care about this much, what is it God has given, what has God put in our hands that we can handle, that we can go after and make an impact on? And that's some of the discussion that, that centered on uh, for us as elders as we prayed through this. After seeking God's face diligently, and Gria kind of walked us through the process if you missed out, it's, it's about a two-year process, a year and a half, two-year process. We've been really seeking God's face and, and, um, and looking around and, and, and discussing things. We were led to these three distinctives to, to guide us. And what I want to say is this, that this morning uh, there's going to be a look-back component because none of the three of these is outlandishly new. Although we put on the table, God, we will, we will not just click it four degrees to the right. We would go in a totally different direction if that's where you would lead us. Instead, God took us and said, these are the things we, we want you, that, I, that I want you to focus on, and they're in line. They, they, they feel familiar to us because we've walked in some of this before, but it's really a morning to, to look ahead. Next Sunday is going to be 10 years since I sat right over here, maybe second row, maybe where Kel is sitting, and I was sitting next to Greg Barrow, and God brought people into this building for our very first public worship service, and I turned to Greg and I said, do you know a lot of these people? He said, no. Do you? I said, no. I said, praise God, because God took feeble, probably wavering mustard seed type faith prayers of people, and he answered something that we had been crying out to him for. The church that had met here before, the church that was coming down to plant this church, were praying this, and some of you remember this, God, would you do a new thing in this neighborhood? We don't want to just franchise Valley Church. We don't feel that that's what God's wanting us to do. We don't want to just carry over the traditions of the people that have been meeting here. Would you do something brand new out of, out of, out of what's going on here? And that's what God um, has been doing. And we've been so excited to, to see that. This morning's focus is to really flesh out these three distinctives of heading. So the first one um, that we're looking at is family. And what we mean by this is, is this. Uh, this is not a stock photo of families. You know how uh, a lot of advertisements do this? You know, the family is always smiling. They all look relatively like models. 
and you go, huh, that looks nothing like my family. The house is perfectly clean behind them, right? All the dishes match. I mean, just simple things, right? And sometimes we can have that same image of church. We can kind of, you know, visit a church and see the sort of Disneyland, downtown Disney, you know, that side, but not the back side of what really goes on. And we can get a sense that the church is idealized and we want to be a real family. God reveals himself in familiar terms. We just sang this and the scriptures back this up. I put a few scriptures in your, in your notes this morning that you can look up later. God is our father. Jesus Christ is our older brother. When you look at another saint, you are looking at a brother or a sister. One of the biblical metaphors that we looked at last week was the idea that the church is a family, the family of God. And what we're talking about with this as a vision direction is that we will strive to understand and live out this identity of family ruthlessly. That we are just going to go after this all the more and walk in this. You know, family is going to set the tone for how we operate. Let me give you three other ideas that I believe are actually somewhat viable ways. You could argue whether they're viable or not, but this is certainly how some churches function. As corporation, um, as school, or as social justice unit. Okay, So um, so I just want to compare sort of how a family dynamic church would, would stack up against some of those things. Um, let me share some things that are valued in these three kinds of churches. I am friends with people who are pastors in these kinds of churches. And let me say at the outset here as well, we as a church family, we benefit from churches like this. We benefit from churches who are, who are structured in, in these kinds of ways. A corporate-style church values efficiency, values systems, executive teams, mineral management, clear reporting structure, and metrics. Those are, those are some things that if you're in a corporate-type environment, those are very important things. Anyone in the corporate environment in work, nod your head with me so I know you're listening. Yeah, those are things. You don't live without those, right? Um, there are some churches that excel at these things, and there are some incredible systems that move information and move people through a process. A school-focused church is, is focused on, um, on faculty and students, curriculum and graduations, homework, testing, notes, progress. These are the kinds of things that are, that are valued. Again, those are components that any family needs. Finally, social justice values action and risk and urgency and change. These are churches that are on the front lines and saying, we're going to make an impact in our community. We're going to move things forward. We're going to, we're going to change things and notice things. One of the things that being a family church is opposite of is being a consumer church. A family is not a consumer. I want you to imagine your 11-year-old coming uh, up to you in the morning as you're maybe getting breakfast going. And she comes down and she says to you, <clears throat> you know, um, just kind of a note for the staff. My bed wasn't made well last night. Um, I found no chocolate on my pillow whatsoever. If you could nudge the temperature up um, in the mornings. I, I, don't, I just like the briskness taken away in, in the mornings. Um, and, and fresh towels, please, by, by this afternoon. Um, how would that fly, parents? <laughs> um, if you're in a hotel, you know what you say? Yes, ma'am, right away. That's what you do. That's, that's how hotels function, right? Um, if you're in a family, you realize that you need to have a conversation <laughs> with your 11-year-old, right? That is not how families function. If yours is functioning that way, please come and talk to Kel afterwards. He's one of our elders, and he'll just begin to nudge you in a different direction. That is not the way of the family, 
The way of the family is that we belong to each other. We're committed to each other. We find our place by helping out. We learn about things like grace and joy and forgiveness and long-suffering in a family. You know, a consumer always has this option of of sort of holding back their, their business and going, you know what, I can take this elsewhere at any moment. A family's committed. A family says, this is my family. It's not the way I would like it, like a consumer, but I'm kind of stuck with it. And that's the reality sometimes. In a book called Messy Church, author Ross Parsley says this, healthy families protect one another and give each other grace. Consumers investigate and scrutinize and determine whether or not they will purchase the services being provided. Families share chores and responsibilities while consumers believe they are owed something, especially if they have given money to the cause. A church service is not a business transaction between parties, but instead a loving exchange of service and worship. We kind of joke around here sometimes during the offering. You are not paying for a worship service when you give money at the offering. That's not what this is about. You are contributing as a part of a family. Now, thinking about our church as a family instead of some of these other models absolutely um, affects all sorts of things. It affects how we do evangelism, how we think through and do discipleship. It affects our worship services. It affects staffing and budget, all, all kinds of things. In just a few moments, I'm going to invite Kel up, and we're going to kind of put some nuts and bolts to sort of how this fleshes out. But secondly, I want to call this out. Sort of the double ring of the church's family is this. We are great with the fact that this church is made up primarily of younger families. That is not to say that singles aren't welcome. That's not to say that the childless aren't welcome. That's not to say that all kinds of other people aren't welcome. George Whitfield says that every family is a parish and every father a priest. We talk often about the idea that this larger family is made up of nuclear families. And our longing is that this worship service would be the culmination of a week of worship that you've been having as a household and the launch to more worship going on uh, next week. Thinking about the reality that we are a church of families means that teaching and programs and missions trips and special services will be conducive for families with children. Now, in a certain sense, I limit... I limit the number of times that I say yes to an invitation somewhere that does not include my family. So sometimes if you invite me over uh, or if you invite me to do something, um, I, I would ask, you know, is my family able to come? And, and sometimes if, if the answer is no, I just respectfully decline. You know why? Because God's put me in a family. I get it that 11 people going anywhere is a lot, okay? So no one, this is not like, you know, don't feel bad about that, but that's the reality of, of my family. And so, um, and so that means that there are decisions that are, that are made that kind of go around that. It's easier to do things at times with no children, but it's not fitting here. And we're going to work through that and continue to think through that. Let me give you an example of this. Date Night Plus is something that, that the youth ministry here dreamt up. It was, it was, a, it was a way of investing in the marriages here that are, that have a tremendous strain, particularly because of, of children and growing up and time and all that. And they thought, 
Wouldn't it be great if we could just watch their kids for a night and give them, you know, free babysitting and then send them out? And if they choose to, here's a little card that kind of nudges you towards some, some, some substance to your conversation about how your relationship's doing. So Date Night Plus was this, was this really beneficial thing where couples got invested in, but they didn't just get invested in, their kids were cared for and watched and had some amazing things going on. Here's the added bonus. It was the youth that were doing the ministry. So it was just kind of good all the way around. We could have just said, hey, we want to give you this card, couples, for you to go and work on your relationship because we believe in marriage. But do you see how that would put an added burden on those of you with children? Because all of a sudden, you would need to fit into your budget babysitting. You would need to figure out, what should I do with the kids so we can really have some adult time? So that's what we're talking about in just recognizing that we're a church of young families. The reality is that two couples out for a nice meal means that the, the night is filled with uninterrupted conversation and all kinds of pleasantries, right? Uh, if you ever go out to a meal with my entire family and some of the families here, we would just make a sight to be seen. There's squirming and laughing and spilling and fighting and tickling. There's blunt assessment of the food that sometimes needs to be corrected and much more, right? So those two pictures look very, very differently, and that's okay, and that's a good thing. One of the things that we're saying is this. If you want sort of the young church uh, that's able to move quickly and do late-night things. There may be pockets of people who can do that, but that's not the vibe of this church. If you want quiet, distraction-free librarian church, you might want to look somewhere else. We will lean toward roping in and helping people uh, with newborns and kids. This also means that as people come and go, Kel shared last week that we are a church, part of a function of being a church in the Silicon Valley as we have a lot of people coming in to Cherrywood Apartments right behind us and all kinds of places and many people going out. And as people go out, we will send them out as family. Um, Cody and Courtney, come on up just now. We have a real-life test case of this. It was with complete mixed emotion that I got a phone call from Cody many weeks ago now saying that, hey, we're really looking into taking a job elsewhere. And so... What I want to do is give them opportunity just to share a little bit about what God's calling you to next, how we could be praying for you. So, yeah, so um, as some of you know, some of you might not know, we um, are moving to Denver. Uh, I'm being transferred within, within my work, starting something new. So the funny thing is we are both actually from Denver. That's where we both grew up, where we got married, um, where we met, and all our family lives there. So, so yeah, so God's moving us in a, in a funny direction. He is not without a sense of humor. So when we moved out here originally, we were both convinced we wouldn't stay very long and that we were trying to get back. And so we fought against laying down any sort of roots or really investing. And then about a year and a half ago when we were, you know, we were trying to get back and if we'd found something, we really would have just kind of faded away. Mm. You know, wouldn't it have been that big of a deal? We really heard God saying, you know, no, this is where I have you. You need to invest. And so we fought against that for a little bit, but when we finally you know, were able to surrender and really invest in church, you know, and, and in our time here, you know, it it taught us something something very special about family and what church family is. And so the funny part is that now that we've learned that, he has decided to move us back. Um, so 
you know, he is not without a sense of humor, and it is, it is now very bittersweet because um, we are excited to be near our family, like our immediate families, but we're very sad to be leaving our family here. So, yeah, thank you. Did you want to say anything, Courtney? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really prep them. They had to say anything. Uh, listen, uh, we have spent, uh, particularly the later, the later months of summer, praying and strategizing and thinking through a young couple's community group that these two are heading up right now. Um, again, in God's timing, it's just been a, an interesting thing because they've really thrown themselves in. We both have just said several times, you know, man, something's going on right between church and congregation when it's really hard to tear away and go somewhere else. That's what family does. And so I want to pray for these two. These two are representative of some others. We don't, we don't do this for every single couple. In second hour, Daryl and Leanne Monzo are moving back to Virginia. Uh, you, you probably remember them. They actually, a year ago, Daryl was up here sharing about Geo and their foster uh, adoption process with him. We are going to miss them tremendously. We're going to be sending them off uh, next hour as well. Um, so it's, it, it marks this reality. We never know how much time we're going to have with, with one another. We can kind of get into a mode of thinking we just have indefinite amounts of time. But I've been so appreciative, guys, just of, of our time, especially in the last six months. Uh, we've met many times over the, over the years they've been here. But uh, let me pray. God, I just lift up uh, Cody and Courtney. I thank you, God, for the fact that you're leading them. I thank you that as a pastor, it is a celebration to know that, that they're wanting to keep in step with, with you, God. And that's what's calling them back. I thank you that this is a bittersweet moment. I pray that as a church family, God, we can send them well, uh, off well in the next couple of weeks. Pray for all the details, God, of moving and packing up and unloading and finding a place there and getting settled with new jobs. I pray that things here at, at both places of employment would wrap up well and that you'd be honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, can you guys just give a, a round of applause for these two? Thanks, you guys. We had a special um, NBC pen made up. It's in the back of your uh, chair. You guys are welcome to take, take one of those with you. That's a little gift, parting gift for us. Secondly is, is the idea of simple. Um, so family is a direction that we are just going to keep talking about and, and wanting to implement. Secondly, we feel very passionate about, about the idea of simple. If, if you've ever stood at the chip aisle at Safeway, you will understand the truth of this. Complicated leaves us paralyzed right? When there are this many choices, there's a sense of just like, I don't know, there's 900 you know, varieties and I'm just at the tortilla chip section and there's 26 varieties. So this is what we're talking about with this. We will strive to keep God and his commands accessible. As we teach the scriptures in formal settings like this in community group, but also one-on-one, -on -one, uh, we want to fight um, to be simple, not simplistic. Hear the difference. Simplistic is taking the things of God and trying to, to put them down into cute little acronyms and things that we can digest, and, and it's bringing God down to us. It's bringing the word down to us, and it's making it simplistic. We as a church body, we don't ever want to make things simplistic. The play button is an idea of saying there's wonder and mystery to, to the, the things of God. We're trying to get it into some bite-sized pieces that we can get some handles on, but that, that pushing of the play button reminds us, man, there's mystery to this that we don't understand. This is far bigger than we understand. 
This goes hand in hand with the value of being helpful. You know, teaching from the front can be impressive, awe-inspiring, deep, profound, thorough, all without being helpful. Do you agree? I mean, you can have all these things and you can walk away and go, wow. And what you realize is I was intellectually entertained today. I don't know that I was helped. I want you to consider Jesus. Jesus had all knowledge and all wisdom, and yet he took the kingdom of God and he took the, the cookie jar, so to speak, and he put it on the lowest shelf. He taught in everyday common language. He used everyday examples. He told stories that stick, that people related to. We want to mimic Jesus in being helpful with our teaching. Secondly, simple means uncluttered. There's nothing like a crisis to kind of call us back to what is most important. We had a memorial service in here yesterday, right here in this in this building. Memorial services are one of those places where you are confronted with, with your life, with your limited amount of time. And you can sometimes get refocused on what's, what priorities are out of whack. We want to keep focused ahead of a crisis, ahead of a near-death experience. And it takes prioritizing. You know, clutter happens without even trying, right? This is true from that kitchen drawer that we all have that, you know, it was, is there. It also is true of, of churches. And not just the physical building, but, but just the ideas. Things start off organized and clear. Uh, and over time, the growth of good things can lead to crowd out essential things. So what we realize is this, we need to constantly be coming back to and reassessing, reforming the church, as it were, and saying, God, if there are things we're doing that are frivolous, that are not in your plan, would you prune those out? Would you cut those out? Help us to be on pace with you. We know that clutter leads to mediocrity, and God is sickened by lukewarm. He doesn't want lukewarm worshipers. Jesus described this and, and sort of outed the Pharisees. In Matthew 23.3, he says this, Do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. He's talking about religious leaders. For they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. We could sort of clutter this with program after program and try to fill it up with your time and have it not be something that is excellent and good. Instead, we'll celebrate and remember some basic truths. Here's an Old Testament example, Micah 6.8. And what does the Lord require of you? You know this. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love what? Mercy. And what? To walk humbly with your God. Isn't it great that Jesus did this in the New Testament? Professors and lawyers of the day, sort of the intellectual elite, uh, who would use their position and their knowledge, both of which, by the way, are gifts from God, instead of to be helpful, they parceled out information as they saw fit. And they sort of left things complicated for the common people. Only a few could sort of get a hold of it, but certainly not us common folk. And Jesus comes along, and they test him. Hey, which law is the most important, Jesus? And you know his answers. Man, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on this command. What is it? Tell me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. What is it? Do you know why you remember that? Because Jesus loves you. Because Jesus wants to be helpful. 
instead of 600 plus laws that you need to memorize and principles you need to keep working on and, and drilling into your head, he says, man, let me give it to you with two simple commands. When you get confused, you don't know which way to go. Is this loving and honoring to God with everything that I am and is this loving my neighbor as myself? That's beautiful. That's, that's the hard work of distilling it down and saying, man, we want to give this to you so it's actually useful to you. James chapter 127, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We will continue to talk about not just these verses. This is a tiny sampling of just things that are handles for us to move forward. Now, it's possible to remain uncluttered but have no movement, right? Uh, Kel talked about the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is an inflow of the Jordan River with no outflow. So we could be really uncluttered and just not do anything. That's not what God has for us either. So thirdly, what, what simple means is that we're aligned for movement. We feel called to align around a few things and not have a bloated church menu that just kind of paralyzes us. Every single church must, must say yes and no. God's given us land and building and technology and infinitely more valuable are people and spiritual gifts and life experiences. And we as a church need to come around and say, what are we supposed to do at this location, at this time in history? And the idea of alignment is maximizing our effort and energy so that we're effective. You know what's absent from the New Testament about church structure? Tons of the details. Leading a church is not dot to dot. Just figure these things out and everyone does it. That's why there's such incredible variety amongst Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Spirit-filled churches. It's like God built a fence around this giant playground, and he said, these are the parameters. Do not go outside this fence. That's forbidden for a New Testament church to ever think about doing. But inside this fence, go and play. Go and just do what you do. And so then we have all this freedom and variety to go and do those things. So what are we to be about in this season at this location? 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and with the same judgment. As church eldership, as leaders in this church, we've prayed and said, God, we want to figure out what it means in Ephesians 4 to be eager to maintain the unity of of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4.11. While you're turning there, I want to share a story about the Gerards for a moment. You know, they heard week after week their church be excited about and talk about orphan care. And they shared with me after the fact, they said, you know, Dave, we weren't, we weren't feeling called to step into foster care. We weren't feeling called to let in to, to, to adopt children. But over time, we did feel the call to follow where God was leading us through our church family. And our church family seemed to think this was really important. And so it became important to us. And so what they did was they didn't just sit on that and say, now we approve of what they're talking about. It led to action. So after the fact, I think at a Foster the Bay staff meeting or something, I found out that Cody and Courtney have been going after work on a midweek to go serve at information meetings to support those who do want to get trained to do foster care. 
And I look at that and I thought, wow, that's the power of alignment. That's the power of taking our things. And here's an amazing couple, Cody and Courtney, that I want involved in this process. And they're not feeling led to do it. So instead of sitting back and kind of waiting to see if there's something that kind of piques their interest, they say, God, is there some way we could chip in and help be a cog in this wheel to kind of move things forward? So Cody and Courtney, the video, I said this is the church's video. They had a part in that, and they'll carry that with them to Colorado. You know, by not over-programming things, um, we really believe that leads us to our third objective. And our third objective is this, that all members are using their gifts. Every human being, whether they are living a life in complete and utter rebellion of God or whether they're living a life that celebrates God, is created by God and in his image. Therefore, built into every person you ever lay eyes on is this, dignity and value and worth simply by existing. It's a powerful thought. They have certain skills and life experiences and bents which are useful for God-honoring living. Here's where a Christian is set apart. Every human being has that. Every Christian is gifted by the Holy Spirit to worship God in a supernatural ways as he sees fit. It says the Spirit gifts the church. So you receive spiritual gifting, and it's in different kind, and it's in different measure as the Spirit sees fit. Our job is to remain faithful with it and to employ those gifts. So by church leadership, not over-programming and coming up with every ministry idea, let me tell you a few things that go on. One is that leaders don't stagnate the creativity and passion of the body. What if every ministry idea had to come from a few people? That would limit all the creativity that sits in this room over the course of a Sunday. Secondly, the great variety of the body is seen and developed when you don't overprogram from top down. Any of you ever have a cast before? Right? If you've ever broken an arm, when you take that cast off, how does your right arm look? like a shriveled bean, right? It just looks terrible. Why? Because you haven't been using the muscle. It's designed to be used and worked out. And if you don't work out your faith, if you don't use your spiritual gifting, if you keep saying, that's what I put money in the offering to do is to pay Dave to do it. Wrong idea. Shatter that. It prevents atrophy in the body such that when someone comes and says, hey, I have a question. Do you have any idea of who I could be introduced to that would, that would show me the way to heaven? Do you have any idea about that? And you go, uh, let me find my pastor. Let me call my small group leader. It should never be that way. Because you've been working out your faith, you say, I absolutely do for a fact, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me introduce you to him. Thirdly, by not over-programming, participation and ownership are heightened among the body. It's awesome because something happening next Sunday is owned by a lot of different people. There's a giant bash where we're just inviting the whole neighborhood to our birthday party. Be in prayer about that, by the way. And so many different people are just chipping in and making that an amazing event that's going to happen. Lastly, God receives glory as the whole community is contributing to the mission. Here's what I'm saying. Your job is not to just invite people to church. It's way more than that. In fact, the reality is, please don't invite everyone to church. There's some people who've been invited to church. They've tried church on a Sunday. They weren't remotely ready to understand or hear what's going on. They've left church, and now they say this, what? Oh, I've tried the Christian church. 
What they needed is you, Christian, to bring the church to them in a bowl of soup when they were sick, in just friendship, in chipping in and helping them with their job in the next cubicle over, whatever that might be. And at the right time, man, invite them into the fellowship of the family of God. But we need to bring the church to people, not just bring people to church. This sounds an awful lot like Ephesians chapter 4. Look at, look at verse 11 and follow along with me. It says this. It says, And he, Jesus, gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, church, are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you say this isn't a loving church to me, you know what I might say back to you, Christian? What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? If we're all playing our part... It's the, the body is building itself up in love. It certainly isn't on the pastors and elders, although we bear a certain responsibility and we ought to be leading the, the way in some of those things. You know, three years ago, we came across this passage in 1 Corinthians about our identity and we took it seriously. It says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Sorry, not three years ago, year three. So this is seven years. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Here's the creativity of the body at work. Someone came to me providentially and said, Hey, I have some money I want to designate for a specific project. And our heads got put together, and we, we rolled out this thing we called Talent Show. That morning, we had one service at the time. That morning, we taught on this reality that every single one of you has been gifted things by God. You didn't earn it. You didn't ask for it. It's just been handed to you. What are you going to do about it? I think we taught from the parable of the talents. And what happened was, each person in attendance received an envelope receiving some monetary amount, ranging from $3 to $50. So if they showed up that week, they were given money at church. Figure that one out. That's a story in and of itself. Now, here were the observations that went along with that. We said, listen, this money is not from the offering or the church budget. So, so it was donated specific for this. Uh, secondly, this is for third graders through adults. There are different amounts and different gift sizes. All you do is receive. No one got to choose how much money they got. Here were the hard and fast rules. Rule number one, you cannot give this money back to the church. You can't just dump it in the offering. That's cheating. Number two, you can't use it to serve yourself or your immediate family. I'll meet a need. I'll buy my kid diapers. Wrong. That's not what this money is designated for. Third, you must use it in a Christ-honoring way. So a cup of cold water given in the name of Jesus Christ 
is a way to give something in a, in a God-honoring way. Here were guidelines. These weren't rules, but strong suggestions. Please report back what happened. What did God do in you, and what did God do in other people as you dreamt about how to use this money? Here's another guideline. Don't just give out cash. Dream a little bit here. Every one of us could have walked out and just found someone and said, here, bless you in the name of Jesus, and been done with it. We didn't try to control that, but we said, that's not how God works. Dream a little. Work with God. Finally, be spirit-led. God is creator, not copier. Do you see that there's sort of a burden and blessing of being a steward? Here's what, here's what was reported back. Some people, by the way, took their money and they joined with other people in the church, so it was a larger amount. Some people found things that matched amounts given, and so they took money with people and they used that, and it doubled the money. Doesn't this sound like the parable of the talents that, 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 that Jesus told? Do you see how walking into church that day, the church leadership required something of someone in attendance? Now, if you walked out of there, you had to sit on your $10 and go, I wish I just wasn't even given this $10. Why? Because that'd be easier. It's easier to drop $10 on the plate than to be handed $10 from your church and said, go and minister the way this is. Church, you are, there is something required of you every single Sunday. If you're a Christian in here, you're spirit-filled, you've been gifted. If you're a human being in here, you've been gifted your personality and your experiences and your talents by God. The point is this. We will not be the church collectively where you can be the church individually. So this entire church congregation can't go to work with you on Monday, but you can go to work on Monday. Be the church, friends. Let me invite up uh, the Harwoods and uh, the Gerards and uh, Timothy and Maggie uh, Plumas right now. Come on up, you guys. Um, we have a process of membership around here, of church membership. And uh, the first step in becoming a member is that you're a Christian. Um, we don't take that for granted. Uh, come on up and just line up behind me. Um, uh, secondly, after that, is that we, we require you to be a part of class so we can kind of discuss what we mean by membership uh, after the class is a conversation with one of the elders um, where, uh, where we just walk through with you, hey, is there anything about this process or about this, this covenant that you're about to sign uh, that we want to discuss or, or, or all of that? Uh, the next step is to sign a covenant. It's a church covenant, and it leads with the elders saying, we commit to you, church member, these following things. And we see all these in Scripture, and we ask of you to commit to us these following things. And we enter into a, a signed covenant with a date on it, um, and, the, and then the next step after that is a celebration. And the celebration is what we're doing right now. It's bringing um, these, uh, these folks in front of the church family um, just, to, just to welcome them to the church family and get to know their faces a little bit. And we added one a few years into membership, and we had to make it start with C because all the other ones did, and it's this, continue. Because it's easy to go through a membership class. It's easy to get celebrated. It's easy to get fired up about church. And then a few years later, just kind of wane in all of that. And we just say, man, stay fired up and a committed member of this church. I want to introduce, uh, this is Timothy and Maggie Columbus. And, um, and uh, I'm going to have just each of them share just a brief little thing, by the way, so you can get to know their heart a little bit. Um, so, Timothy. Well, I tried to be last. Um, <laughs> there are seasons in your life where you find that... Uh, you need to uh, find a new church to worship with, and that's where we found ourselves a few months ago. Um, being the modern world, the thing to do is to go online and find a church. So that's what I did, and uh, searched out quite a few, eliminated quite a few, 
um, came upon a neighborhood Bible church, didn't even know where it was, drove by a lot of times, didn't know where it was. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we, uh, I, I, I searched it, read the things, watched some videos, and then I sat down uh, over a weekend and listened to four or five sermons, and uh, he was preaching in Thessalonians at the time. And I said, well, it does sound doctrinally sound. I will try it. And so I came in and uh, was able to get in and out uh, without ever being spoken to, except by Les, who said, did you get one of these bulletins? Because I got in here early and hadn't gotten one yet. Um, and then uh, the next week, uh, um, Jim and Jenny stopped me and talked, and we had a good conversation. A few weeks later, because my wife doesn't like to get involved in searching um, and then deciding not to be somewhere and going somewhere else. Um, she came with me, and uh, afterwards I said, what did you think? She goes, this is home. Um, so I guess that family thing really works. <laughs> um, so uh, the rest is history. Um, so it's been a few months, but that's uh, how it is. You're welcome. Awesome, yeah. Um, with, the, with the Gerards, yeah. <laughs> with... With uh, with the Gerards, they they said, "Hey, should we come up for for membership? Because <laughs> we're leaving. It's kind of weird to do the membership celebration and the send off on the same Sunday." And here was the answer: Absolutely. Um, a, they have a few more weeks physically with us. But um, I just told them, I said, "What a joy to to know that you have the blessing and the spiritual protection and covering of your church family here." And I said, "With joy." Um, will be involved in the process of removing membership here as they enter into church membership in, in Colorado as God leads. So, um, so Cody Corrine, anything more you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I think I'll just I'll share how we ended up at Neighborhood Bible Church as well. I, I said that you know God has a sense of humor. Um, we never meant to come here. We ended up here completely by accident. Um, Courtney's boss at work, you know, we had been looking for churches after we moved her. She, she suggested one. So we Googled it online. Oh, okay, found it. So we came here. Um, we really enjoyed it. You know, it was first day, I think, same sort of thing. It was like, you know, this is, this feels right. Um, but come to find out, she had suggested a completely different church um, <laughs> that was somewhere else. So God is, is funny, and he has had plans for us, and so we ended up here. Um, and like I had mentioned, you know, membership was a part of our call to lay down more roots. Um, and, you know, it's, it was a step we were, we were happy to take, and we're very lucky to be members of Neighborhood Bible Church. Awesome. Thank you, guys. We better clap for them, too. And this is, uh, this is Chad and Shao, and, um, and they're going to share, too, a couple, couple words about being here. Thank you. Um, we were a couple that actually moved into the neighborhood um, three years ago. We lived just in the condominiums back here. And I was driving home from work one day, and I was drove by, and I thought, oh, there's a church there. And so on a Saturday, Chow didn't know it. I just came here, pulled my car in the parking lot, and I, I talked to Sharon, Adam, and your wife. They were here on Saturday doing something. And they, they told me about the church, and they said, you should come tomorrow. So we did, and we love it here. And we love the we love the body. We love the family. This is our family, our church family here. And uh, I was baptized here on Easter Sunday this year. So it's it's meant a lot to me. I had been out of the church for a long time, and everyone has just been great. We joined a community group. 
and which we really enjoy, and we're here to stay. Do you want to say something? To me, I never imagined I can be a very different language and different culture church before. And uh, it's awesome to be here. And especially my husband changed a lot in this church. And and uh, he much happier than before. So <laughs> happy husband, happy life. <laughs> oh, yeah. We enjoy here. Thank you, Sean. Hey, let me, let me pray for these. Not only different language and different culture, but different football teams. You'll notice they wear Niners jerseys often, and we have a Cowboy fan right here in the front. It, God can overcome. Let me pray. God, I just thank you for, for these family members. I thank you, God, that you call us not only into fellowship, not only into receiving protection and blessing and instruction and resources, God, but you call us to contribute. I pray for a growing walk with you, a deeper walk with you as we just sang called into, into deeper love with you, Father. And I pray that uh, in the days and months ahead, they would continue to grow in their walk with you and to serve as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, amen. you guys. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so just, just, before we, uh, just before we close uh, in, a, in a song and a little bit of prayer, I wanted to invite Kel up right now and give, you, uh, give him an opportunity to share some nuts and bolts of... What are the implications of family and simple and all, all members using their gifts kind of as we move forward? That's so, on. See, when Dave says, just before we close up, that's his little cue to me to, like, move it along. <laughs> so, point taken. <laughs> so, uh, so, right, uh, as we try to, like Dave said, give some nuts and bolts, give some specifics to, okay, how do we take these principles, the, you know, this idea of simple and family and every, every member using gifts, you know, how does that manifest itself? What does it look like kind of in action? Dave gave us a lot of you know, good examples, and I'll give us a, a, f- a few. Um, and, and doing this uh, kind of, again, from my vantage point as a believer, a worshiper, um, as a husband, as a father, uh, serving in different ways here. Um, and so you know, I just share this with you. So, uh, and then a lot of this has to do with you know, kind of my, my role is the, looking after some of the finances um, primarily amongst the, uh, amongst the elder team. So uh, in terms of simple, how does this look, right? So, and what, it, what does this mean for us, right? So having the, uh, we don't have gobs and gobs of programs, right? It alleviates us from funding a lot of little things. Uh, and that, what that also does then is it allows us flexibility to allocate funds um, where we find and where we feel led. And just hold on to that thought because I've got a couple sp- very specific examples um, of this uh, at the end. Um, the other thing that it does is it uh, promotes right, a, a contribution, involvement, and leading uh, and this this dovetails exactly with uh, every member using gifts, right? So um, that that you know, if we're not going to over-program and, we're, and we don't have lots of programs, uh, it's not that we don't believe in specific efforts. But like Dave said, these aren't going to be you know thought up creative, creatively. If that was left with me, trust me, we'd have you know it'd be <laughs> like simpler than it is now. Um, so uh, you know, but but that it that all of this is you know is generated and it is driven by you know. By, by us as a body, as a family, uh, and things. And so, so it alleviates a lot uh, in terms of, okay, how much are we going to allocate here and how much are we going to allocate there? Um, in terms of family, uh, it was so, they, 
we definitely go about the you know how we allocate uh, you know how we budget and things like that using principles right that that you would find not in not in like Dave said corporate uh, you know financing and not in terms of you know say uh, you know a, a uh, you know other other types of organizations right so you know primarily uh, you know and again look at looking biblically what we should be doing. Uh, you know, in terms of family finance and, you know, as, as a body of believers, right? First and foremost, we give, right? I mean, that's, that's absolutely, and, and we've been able to give, you know, more and more every year, not only, you know, straight dollar amounts, but also as a percentage of the total. And uh, sometimes I think, okay, let's, let's call a plateau, you know, at, at a 10% tithe amount, but I'd love to see us someday, right, giving away 50%, you know, or something, you know, uh, something like that. But that is paramount for us, right? And you find that in family finance. Um, you know, another, another idea is to have a, an emergency fund, right? And, and we do that. That's, that's a primary metric that I look at uh, is, okay, you know, what do we have? Not to be storing up. You know, you know, and, and, and to be hoarding, right? But just as a, as a good family finance principle. Um, you know, another thing is that we don't spend beyond our means, right? Um, yes, we do hope and pray and, and, and count, count on everybody, you know, participating in this. And sometimes, you know, it's some of the things that we want to do and that we endeavor into require more than, you know, the, more than, you know, what we've uh, seen in the past. Um, and, and you know, we're counting on, you know, generosity and the moving of the Holy Spirit and everybody and worshiping in this way. Um, but at the same time, right, we don't get over our ski tips. Um, and then the other thing is we don't spend just because we have money. Right, uh, you find this in corporate world, right? That you know, kind of those of you who live in a corporate setting, right? Use it or lose it. We don't do that, right? Um, and and then, but that, at the same time, like I said, we don't hoard. Um, there's some there's things that come up, and, and a lot of times um, I'll say this amongst the elder team that money sitting in the bank account is stale. It's not doing anything. Like we need to get rid of it. There's certain parts of our finances and certain parts where I hate to have a balance. Like it's, it's just sitting there doing nothing. We, you know, shame on us, right, for, for letting it sit there. Um, and, and, and the other part of family and the way to think about this and how we allocate money and what we fund and stuff like that, it's really about, and, and this again kind of dovetails exactly with every member using gifts, is it's all about equipping, right? I mean, it's all about, you know, we, as, a, as a church, yes, we want to be accessible, we want to be a light in this community, but we also want this to be something, you know, where you know, we go out, right? Our purpose isn't just here in, the, in, in this, amongst this, this body, our purpose is much greater than this. Um, but again, these principles of family finance come into it. And then, then uh, lastly, in terms of every member using gifts, right? To make this all work requires everybody. You know, just like Dave said, you know, this isn't a hotel, right? Uh, you don't you know, kind of ring the bell and ask for the towels, right? We've, we've all got to contribute here. But that said, we're happy to fund things where there's a passion, where there's leadership, you know, where there's a sense of ownership and things like this. And this I wanted to announce a couple things that are new this year uh, in, in how we're allocating funds and what we're doing with finance. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to announce that this year uh, we're, we absolutely are incorporating 
Uh, and we're trying to do this more and more with the Spanish ministry, right? Incorporating that in, in a lot of different ways, you know, in, in the whole, in, in, as, as a whole. And we said this from the get-go as we wanted this. But this now is part of the overall, you know, finance and how, you know, what we do, um, you know, is, is, is uh, you know, is accommodating and funding uh, the, the Spanish-speaking ministry. Um, the other thing that I wanted to announce is that we've also, you know, is our, we've set up and allocated funds for Foster Adopt. And what we've said is, look, we don't have, you know, the other, something else I, I believe in is we're not going to allocate money where there's not leadership. And I'm not talking about the elder team, right? Where there's not a ministry leader. Because unless it's looked after, then, you know, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to do it, right? Because that just goes to waste and things, right? But we felt led here to allocate uh, you know, is is you know, it's going on amongst the body. It's going on amongst the bay. You know, with with be it foster the bay, adopt something like that. But this is something new for us to call this out and say, yes, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna jump into this more and more and more. And just one little way is with finance. You know, is with the financing and stuff. Um, but. But those things need leaders, right? Those things need you know people to look after this, uh, you know, in a in a good, you know, and and mature, uh, mature way. Um, but there, you know, and so in this notion of every member using gifts, right, and every and it requires uh, that to to have things function. There are specific needs. We have needs in children's ministry and youth ministry, like. Uh, you know, like Ben uh, uh, mentioned to us a month or so ago, um, in the finance area, we have needs uh, and things, right? And then in the foster adopt area, like I said, we've we've made a we've made a earmark, right? But there's there's needs there uh, and stuff. So I'll just announce those as some things that uh, if you're feeling moved and feeling led, uh, some specific areas. But just to, you know, the last things to take away, right? Um, I just wanted you to know, right, that we we administer the financing, we administer the staffing. Like a family, right? That's that's a that's a core principle. Uh, against the odds, like, you know, this is a notion of looking back, right? And I said this last last week. Against the odds, this place is thriving, right? You wouldn't choose a small Christian church in probably one of the most unchurched, un, you know, in one of the most non-believing areas in the in the in the nation, right? To say, you know what, I'm going to put it here. And it's going to thrive. You would say, you know what? That's not going to last. There's no way that that lasts in ten years. Um, that doesn't happen by by my Dave, Ben, myself, anything in leadership. That happens by the you know the Holy Spirit working through all of all the all of you. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, finance is just one small area that that's showing itself. Um, I will say that we have some fairly large considerations in the next. You know, when when we're this is ten years. When we're at ten twenty years, there's some fairly large things that come up. Uh, in terms of, and you know, specifically around property and building and stuff like that. So I would imagine that you know, in 10 years, the way that we're, you know, what what this looks like, whether it's here, whether it's not, stuff like that, is it's not going it, to, it shouldn't be the same. Um, you know, and and then lastly, to maintain all of this, right, as is to for it requires everyone to play their part, whether that's you know, contributing, just involvement in something, leading something, and stuff like that. But that is not just because we're saying it, and these are our principles of every member. You know, that is a manifestation of worship. Um, you know, and, and you, you, and how that looks, and and how you practice worship, and how you worship our our Creator, you know, our Savior. That's just, these are just vehicles uh, for that, and we just want to make sure that uh, you know that that we're not creating something 
that doesn't allow for that, and that we get we essentially get out of the way. Um, is, is maybe another one of the principles. <laughs> maybe we should call it that. Get out of the way. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to share these things, you know, some specifics, right, about, okay, when we take these principles and we look at, okay, what does that look like in the way certain areas of, of the ministry are, are carried out? I just wanted to share some of this, uh, you know, what it looks like and some of, you know, what's behind it. All right, as we sing uh, this uh, last song, it'll be very familiar to all of you. We're going to take up our offering, and um, so join us. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all and all Jesus paid in 